Hello, welcome to another episode of Herbal Wisdom. I'm Chris Vaughn, Certified Clinical Herbalist and Founder and Program Director of Herbal Wisdom Institute in Prescott Valley, Arizona. Before we get started on today's topic, I want to encourage you to connect with me on Facebook. Let me know your thoughts on today's podcast or any of the others that you've had an opportunity to listen to. You can find me on Facebook at Herbal Wisdom Institute or through my personal clinic page, which is Smart Choices Wellness. And then I also want to encourage you right away to follow this podcast. If you're listening on the Podbean website, just click follow. And if you're listening from somewhere else, then go to herbalwisdom.podbean.com and click follow right there. Now let's get on to today's topic. So as a clinical herbalist, I see clients in my office um, daily. For a variety of things. And what I find probably a shockingly 90% of the time is that whatever chronic condition that they're coming in with usually has uh, a root cause in the gut. Now, gut health is a topic that is becoming more and more popular. You're probably hearing terms like leaky gut thrown around, and you're probably hearing about a lot more food intolerances um, that people have, like, you know, gluten-free and dairy-free and all these things. And, uh, you know, this is really the biggest problem that we have in our society is compromised digestion and impaired gut health. So I wanted to focus on that today because it really tends to be the place that we have to start looking at before we can change any kind of a chronic health condition. So when a client comes into my office, some things that walk through my door are often food food allergies, food intolerances, um, allergies to environmental things, severe outdoor allergies, um, and then it would often be autoimmune types of conditions like celiac or diabetes, um, thyroid autoimmune, so Hashimoto's, hypothyroidism, uh, arthritis, rheumatoid arthritis specifically, um, and then just other chronic pain issues as well as a lot of anxiety, depression, stress-related issues, um, poor sleep, um, mood issues. So all of these things, when, when they come in my door and I'm listening to someone, um, they often do not relate a lot of these conditions to what they eat and how their digestive system is functioning because many times they don't have digestive complaints. You know, they're not constipated or they're not having diarrhea or they're not getting indigestion. Uh, so they think that it really doesn't have anything to do with the gut. But everything begins in our gut. Everything that we eat, everything that we drink is either helping us or it's hindering us. So I wanted to talk today about gut health, how to keep your gut happy and healthy, um, some symptoms of compromised digestion or what we're going to call leaky gut. This is a permeable gut lining. And then what do we do about it? So that you'll leave this podcast with some very specific steps that you can take to begin to change the situation. Okay, so first, 
Um, let's talk about what is leaky gut. So leaky gut is where the lining of the intestines uh, becomes looser. And things begin to pass through that lining into the bloodstream that really have no business being in the bloodstream. And so then it sparks a inflammatory response in the body, an immune system response, because the immune system detects that there are foreign objects, foreign particles in the bloodstream that are not supposed to be there. So it ends up going on attack. Now, how do you know if you have leaky gut? So there are some symptoms that um, a lot of people will experience uh, but they're very vague and they mimic other things. So I'm going to give you this list and you can see why oftentimes your doctor, the first thing that they think of is not leaky gut. Okay. So if when you eat, you experience bloating, maybe you experience um, some belching or, you know, reflux. Uh, maybe you have multiple food sensitivities Maybe you have a thyroid condition, so hypothyroid very specifically, or uh, Hashimoto's thyroiditis, fatigue, joint pain, headaches, skin issues like rashes or itchy skin, uh, digestive problems, so constipation, diarrhea, um, slow motility in our digestion, weight gain unexplained weight gain, you know, you're doing everything that you can to try to lose weight and nothing's changing. Or maybe you have an autoimmune condition of another sort like diabetes or MS or lupus or um, there, you know, there's more like more than 80 recognized autoimmune conditions. And there are many more I'm sure that we're going to come up with over the next 10 years or so. But um, those are some basic symptoms that lead a clinician like myself to begin to look at your gut health. So if you listen to that list that I gave you, they're very vague. They can point to a lot of different things. So a medical doctor will typically look at each one of those things individually and you're going to end up walking out of their office with like eight prescriptions, right? <laughs> well, as a natural practitioner, I look at that list and I go, okay, something is not right in the gut. There is something in the digestive system, which is our first line of defense, that isn't working the way that we want it to work. And so each time that you're eating or drinking something, the immune system is going on attack. It's sending out, you know, like the immune system superheroes to try to figure out what's going on and how to get rid of it. And so we have this big inflammatory response that's happening. Now, when we look at the lining of the gut, the intestines, that's what, when I say gut, I'm meaning your intestines. This is where we absorb all of the nutrients from the things that we eat and drink. So this lining should be very tightly packed. And it has these beautiful villi, which are finger-like projections, that grab onto the nutrients and absorb them into the bloodstream. So that's where we're absorbing our vitamins and our minerals, and we're, we're using the proteins that, that are in the food and um, the fats that are in the food. And, um, now, when our gut lining becomes leaky, 
instead of it being like a coffee filter, you know when you put a coffee filter in your coffee pot and you put those coffee grounds in, we get beautiful coffee when the water filters through, but none of the coffee grounds come through, right? It has a very tight weave so that it does not allow those particles to come through. And that's really how the lining of our intestines or our gut should be. It should be like a coffee filter. But sometimes it ends up being more like cheesecloth. Have you ever used cheesecloth? It has a bigger weave and things can go through that fairly easily if we're using it you know, just in um, one layer. Now if we want to get a tighter weave, we'll do several layers of cheesecloth, right? But that's what ends up happening. We go from being a coffee filter to being cheesecloth. And now lots of things are passing through that really shouldn't be there. And so there's a few causes as to why this begins to happen. So the first is poor diet. Now when I say poor diet, I'm not just meaning that, oh, I sit and I eat chips. But we're talking about quality of the food, yes. So, you know, are we eating organic? Are we eating non-GMO? Um, are we eating a lot of fast foods, a lot of hydrogenated oils? All of these things put toxins into the body that the body then has a hard time dealing with. Now, also when we eat a lot of foods that are nutrient deficient, so we're not eating enough vegetables, we're not eating enough fruits, uh, we have a diet that's high in carbohydrates, uh, specifically things like refined carbohydrates and um, refined table sugars, a lot of added sugars. Um, the body has to deal with that, and there's not really any nutrients to absorb. So we're not fueling the body properly so that the cells uh, hold their integrity. So that's one part of poor diet. Um, then we have to look at the quality in terms of genetically modified and organic. So, you know, there's, a, there's still a big debate, unfortunately, as to whether these things really matter. And I'm, I'm here to tell you that they do. Everything that we put into our body matters. Now, I understand that it's not always affordable to purchase all of your fruits and vegetables as organic. And with the laws that we have... Um, that these food companies do not have to tell us if we're eating something that is genetically modified. How will we ever know, right? Um, it's difficult. It is a challenge. What I want you to understand is that we do the best that we can, okay? So if we're looking at do we buy everything organic, here are my pieces of advice. Number one, you buy the best quality that you can afford on that given day. Now, if that day you can afford to buy everything organic, hallelujah, you do it, right? But the next time you go shopping, you might only be able to afford to get a couple of things organic, and then you buy conventional for the others. Don't beat yourself up. You did the best you can do. Now, there have been days where the only thing I could afford was canned, okay? Not my best option, but it was my only option. In that case, just eat the vegetables, right? At that point, I don't care whether they're canned or frozen or fresh. I just want you to eat the vegetables. And then next time, maybe you can afford a little bit of an upgrade. And that's fine. Now, in terms of genetically modified, there's a lot of really good information out there as to which food companies 
um, are doing what, and some of them are making some good changes. I encourage you to take a look at the genetically modified debate, right? There is a debate. Some say that we have to have genetically modified foods. Um, others say we don't. Uh, if you are already dealing with chronic health conditions, which I'm going to assume is why you're listening to this particular episode, then genetically modified does matter to you because your system is already overburdened and adding one more thing to the system that it's having a hard time processing uh, just makes it that much more difficult. So um, we need to look at diet in terms of uh, compromised digestion and leaky gut. We have to take a look at foods that we may be intolerant to. So this is where getting a food intolerance blood test is really important. Now, this is different than a food allergy test. So when you ask your doctor for an allergy test, they're going to test you for whether or not you will have an anaphylactic reaction to a food. So if they're testing you for wheat and it comes back negative, that does not mean that you're not intolerant to wheat. It's a completely different blood test. So you need to be specific in asking for a food intolerance test. Now, if, you're, if your doctor or healthcare practitioner um, does not have the ability or the understanding of doing that particular kind of a test, you can always contact me, um, and you can do that through my website, herbalwisdom.com, or prescottnaturalhealth.com. And I can direct you to where you can purchase your own food intolerance test and have that interpreted for you. So that's a really great way to do it. Another way to determine whether you have food intolerances is to spend six to eight weeks doing an elimination diet. And that's where we eliminate some of the most common foods that people can be allergic to. And then we slowly reintroduce them into the diet and we chart any reactions that may come up. So depending on um, how much time you are willing to put into the process, I love an elimination diet because it really teaches you how to pay attention to your body's language and what your gut is telling you. But if you know that that's not something that you're going to commit to, then an intolerance blood test is very beneficial. Okay, so that is um, diet and how that relates to leaky gut. Now, the next thing that can contribute to leaky gut is chronic stress. Now, I know a lot of people listening um, are probably women, and so I apologize, guys, for those of you that are listening, but this sort of gets directed more at women, unfortunately. Um, men, I know, deal with stress also, but men have a really fabulous way of being able to compartmentalize things in their life, right? So you go to work, you deal with work. You come home, now you close the work box in the brain and you open the home brain, right? And then the football game comes on and you, you close the family box and you open the, the football box, right? And you have this great way of being able to focus on one particular thing at a time. Women don't do that. Women have one big box, okay? And everything kind of gets thrown into the one big box and we're dealing with all of these different things at one time all day long. And so we feel stress very differently than men do. And each time that we are exposed to stress, men or women, um, we get a spike in cortisol. Cortisol is the stress hormone. You've probably all heard about that. Now, we have a really unique response in the body that happens anytime that we 
deal with stress. So we get this spike of cortisol, which allows us to have clearer thinking, uh, faster response to whatever that stressor is. And then when the stressful event is finished, then our body recovers. Cortisol should come back down to its normal level. And we are now recovering from that stressful event and life goes on. But we live in a society where everything about life is stress. Like our our entire day is stressful. You know, we get that electric bill that's $200 higher than we expected. Or, you know, our our ex is causing a problem with dealing with the kids. Or, um, you know, your coworkers drive you crazy and you want to slap them. I mean, there's so many different things that cause stress. Um, When this happens over and over and over again, cortisol levels never fully have the opportunity to come back to a normal level. Therefore, we live in a heightened state of what's called fight or flight, okay? Where we either have to fight the bear, the stressful event, or we have to run from it, okay? That's the fight or flight response. Now, cortisol, the chemical cortisol in the body, when it is elevated for long periods of time, that chemical can break down the integrity of the gut lining. So we like to discount the effects of stress. You know, everybody goes, oh, I'm just stressed. Oh, well, you know, everybody has stress. So, you know, why is my stress more important than somebody else's? And we all like to say, oh, we need to do yoga and reduce our stress level, right? Easier said than done. But I want you to understand what happens in the body when we allow these stressful things to go on in our life for a really long time. It does physically change how our body functions. So I really want you to be aware of those things in your life that are causing stress. So is it that you're in a job that you hate? And I mean, you spend more hours at your job than you do at home. And going to this environment that is very toxic, um, is that worth it? Is that worth the health issues that you have going on? Um, you know, maybe it's a toxic relationship that you're in with a friend or a family member or, or whatever it is. Do you need to re-examine that relationship? Um, do you need to re-examine how you do um, life, how you show up in the world, how you feed your soul? Do, how, how do you do things that truly bring you joy? You know, we're, we're never going to get away from stress completely. That's just the world we live in. So what we do outside of those times of stress to bring us some peace and bring us some joy and bring us some happiness. You know, I love to go walk in the woods. Like there's a connection that I have spiritually when I'm walking in the woods or out in the desert that I don't get anywhere else. So even if I go and walk for 15 minutes by myself out in the desert, that resets me. It, it recharges my batteries to just be out there and do that by myself. So, you know, looking at things like that where we can reduce stress or modulate how stress is affecting our body. 
Um, another cause of leaky gut is toxin overload. So, you know, toxins in our environment, toxins in the air, toxins in our food, you know, the pesticides that our food is sprayed with and um, hydrogenated oils, you know, and this sort of coincides with our dietary choices, but then also just toxins that come from pharmaceutical medications that we're taking. All of these chemicals that we are exposed to get filtered through the liver. And the liver already has a big job. The liver has to take everything that we ingest and decide where each of those nutrients goes and what it's converted to and where do we store it and how does the body use it. And now we add in there these toxic chemicals that we are exposed to in everyday life and the liver becomes overburdened and cannot do the job properly. And then the lining of the gut is bombarded with these chemicals as well, which can further break down the integrity of the gut lining. So again, as much as we're never going to live a stress-free life, we're also never going to live a completely toxic-free life. So, uh, you know, I like to encourage people to pick and choose where you can cut down on your toxic overload. You know, is it that you change your cosmetics? Is it that you change your deodorant to a natural deodorant? Is it that um, we change our cleaning products? You know, every little step helps. And then the last um, cause of leaky gut would be bacterial imbalances in the gut. So we have this very fine balance of good bacteria and bad bacteria and yeast or candida within the gut. And they all live in perfect harmony. It's this beautiful symbiotic relationship that they have in the gut. We call it the gut flora or the ecosystem of the gut. I might use any one of those terms. And it's really just this beautiful symphony that is happening in the gut uh, all the time, and we are never really aware of it until one of those components gets out of balance. Now, this most often happens when we have repeatedly been exposed to antibiotics. Okay, so let's say as a child you had recurrent ear infections and you had lots of rounds of antibiotics as a child, but maybe you haven't had antibiotics for several years, but you're still dealing with digestive issues or other chronic health issues. You possibly have had an imbalance in the gut from the time that you were a young child. When we take antibiotics, and before I go further, let me tell you, I don't not believe in antibiotics, okay? I'm not going to try to tell you that we should never do them, but there's a time and a place, okay? And we have some other options. So antibiotics are typically broad spectrum. They target bacteria. Now, they don't always understand good bacteria versus bad bacteria. They only know bacteria. So when you take an antibiotic, you're wiping out good bacteria in the gut as well as bad bacteria in the system. Now, this gives candida, or yeast, an opportunity to take over and to become the powerful guy in the ecosystem of the gut. And so a lot of the symptoms that I mentioned earlier go along with a candida overgrowth. Now, you can also just have an overgrowth of a particular type of a bacteria in your system. And so this change in the gut flora is often referred to as dysbiosis. 
So that's an imbalance of the gut flora. Okay. And whichever way that it becomes imbalanced can cause these issues. So doing things to bring that ecosystem back into balance is really important. So now what can we do about this? So when we have, well, let me, let me back up a little bit. Okay. So we've, we have all these factors that can lead to leaky gut. Now let's go a little bit more into what happens in the immune system. So we eat something. Let's say we have an intolerance to dairy. Okay. So we eat something that might have some dairy in it. Sometimes we're intolerant to lactose, which is a milk sugar, but a lot of times we can be intolerant to particular proteins that are found in all animal milk. Okay. So this protein now enters into the bloodstream. The system realizes that that should not be there and it starts its immune system response an inflammatory response in the body because it's trying to fight this foreign invader. When we are continually ingesting things that the body has an intolerance to, then our immune system is on constant attack and it never gets to take a break. So when we have a long period of time where this is happening, the immune system can often get overburdened and become confused. And this is where we can then lead into autoimmune conditions. Or, at the very least, we exacerbate a particular autoimmune condition. So, when I think about autoimmune, that's, I really kind of think of our body, our immune system has become a drama queen. Okay? It's now overreacting to everything. And it's very confused in its overreaction, and so it begins to attack different tissues of the body that may have a similar structure to the food that we ate that we're intolerant to. For instance, this is kind of crazy, but this is what happens. So thyroid tissue has particular portions of its molecular structure that are similar to the molecular structure of gluten. So when we eat gluten and we have an thyro- autoimmune thyroid condition, the, auto- the immune system is tired, and it's going to look at what it most easily recognizes. It may not take a look at the entire thing. So you eat gluten, and it sees that, but it also sees thyroid tissue, which has a similar structure, and because it's confused, it goes, oh, Gluten. I'm going to attack gluten, but what it ends up attacking is thyroid tissue. So every time that we are continually eating the gluten, or it could be dairy, or it could be tomato, or whatever it is that you're intolerant to, this response is happening in the body. I read an incredible book called Wheat Belly, and it's by a Dr. William Davis. If you've never read it, I really highly encourage you to, because he goes in-depth into this immune response that happens. Now, he's focusing on when we eat wheat or gluten, but this particular response happens any time that we are ingesting something that we are intolerant to. So, again, that book is called Wheat Belly. The full title is Wheat Belly, Lose the Wheat, Lose the Weight by Dr. William Davis. He's an MD. 
So I encourage you to get that book and read it because you'll get a really good in-depth um, understanding of this inflammatory response. So now let's get to what do we do about it, right? So there are five specific steps to heal leaky gut. Now, as I go through these steps, I want you to understand that you did not develop leaky gut overnight. Leaky gut began many years before. So healing from leaky gut is not going to happen overnight. This is a marathon. It is not a sprint. Okay, so typically an individual will be doing a protocol like this for a minimum of three to six months. It could go for two or three years before we see really good resolution in the integrity of the gut lining. And then we may need to re redo this protocol a few times throughout our lifetime. So if you have a piece of paper and a pen, I encourage you to get that out and write these steps down, but you can always just re-listen to this podcast as well. So we're going to go through now five steps in healing leaky gut. So step number one is remove. That would be removing offending foods. Okay, so foods that you are sensitive or intolerant to need to be removed from the diet so that the immune system has an opportunity to settle down, to calm itself, to let the inflammation settle down, and begin to heal. Now, GMO foods, toxic chemical products, um, these are things that need to be removed as well to the best of our ability. Again, forgive yourself if we can't get it all, but every little bit helps. Um, another thing that I encourage people to remove, specifically if you're already dealing with something like a thyroid condition, is removing plastic food storage containers, plastic water bottles. These plastics leach estrogenic-like chemicals into our food or into our water, and it then uh, changes how our endocrine system is functioning. So I encourage you to change and um, how you store your food and how you drink your water. Um, removing packaged and processed foods is important. Uh, changing your cosmetic products. Uh, removing hydrogenated oils from the diet. These are all very important in that step of removing things that are harmful to the immune system. Now after you've removed that, we move on to step two. Now this is where we're going to replace so we've removed these foods or chemicals that are damaging to the system. Now we're going to replace with things that are healing. So whole fruits and vegetables, really important there. This is where we're getting all of our nutrition, all of the um, vitamins and minerals that the body needs in order to make strong cells in the gut. We want to... Um, change our sweeteners, so getting rid of refined sugar and going to things that are more natural like stevia or honey or molasses or maple syrup. Uh, we want to replace foods that are organic. We want foods that are non-GMO. Um, I encourage people to do a lot of bone broth during this time. 
Um, it's very nutritious and it's very healing to the gut. Lots of soups and stews. And if we eat grains, we want them to be whole grains like quinoa or brown rice, uh, as opposed to refined grains like, you know, breads and cookies and crackers and things. Okay, now step three is where we begin to repair. So when we're looking to repair damaged gut lining, we, we're really working on this inflammatory response that's been happening. So reducing inflammation is really important. Now we're doing that a lot just by changing what we eat, uh, removing those foods that were not so good for us and replacing them with healing foods. That is already starting the reduction of the inflammation. But now we can come in with some herbs that are specific for reducing inflammation. Turmeric is one of them. You probably have all heard about turmeric. There's about 12 um, known active compounds in turmeric that are anti-inflammatory. Uh, licorice root is also anti-inflammatory and is demulcent. So demulcent means that it coats and soothes the tissue of the digestive tract so that it reduces the inflammation, but then it also is very healing to that tissue. Oregon grapefruit is another one that is anti-inflammatory and then also uh, supports the cell structure of the gut lining. Uh, we want to encourage proper digestion at this point um, when we're repairing. Uh, probably throughout this time, um, there has been some reduction in stomach acid and pancreatic enzymes. So we're not breaking down food to the degree that we need to. So this is where adding in some digestive enzymes or some capsules of betaine HCL, which is hydrochloric acid, are really beneficial because that will help to begin breaking down food in the stomach. And that way we can absorb it better once it gets into the intestines. Then we also need to support the immune system. So we do this with herbs. Adaptogenic herbs are really important. Um, so things like ashwagandha or shisandra or um, rhodiola, these are really good for um, people that have leaky gut as well as any kind of a chronic autoimmune type of a situation. Um, holy basil is another one that comes to mind. And then we want to look at strengthening the lining of the gut. And so we look again at Oregon grapefruit, um, plantain, um, also known as plantago, is another herb that does this really well. The licorice root, um, marshmallow root capsules are really good. Those are very demulcent as well. And so they coat and soothe and they stimulate um, production of the new cells in the gut. Then we want to rebalance. So we talked earlier about the, uh, the gut flora, the delicate balance that we have. And so we want to really make sure that we have the right amount of good bacteria and bad bacteria to keep candida in check. And we do this through probiotics. So a daily probiotic is really important for you to be taking. We also want to get probiotics in our foods. So I'm a big fan of fermented foods or your fermented drinks like kefir or kombucha. Um, they not only give us good probiotics, but they give us prebiotics, which is food for the probiotics so that um, the probiotics are more beneficial. Um, this is all going to help us replace bacteria that we lost maybe from taking antibiotics or other medications that may have interfered with the balance of the microflora um, in the gut.
And then we're going to go on to step five, which is reduce. So this means that we're going to reduce chronic stress triggers. We already have talked about how important it is to really acknowledge that we do have stress and that it does make a difference. So you really want to commit to some fun activities, things that feed your soul, things that place your health and well-being as a top priority. Um, Acknowledging that how you live your life matters and that uh, life is supposed to be fun and and full of love and full of joy and and so when we can do that, then the body has a chance to settle down and be able to heal so let 's recap these steps so step number one was remove removing those offending foods or chemicals uh, within our environment. Step two was replace with healing foods, so whole fruits and veggies bone broths, soups and stews, whole grains, uh, repairing the gut lining with herbs like turmeric and Oregon grapefruit, licorice, um, plantain, marshmallow, uh, wonderful herbs to help repair. And then the next step was rebalance the gut flora with probiotics and then reducing our chronic stress triggers. So I hope that This gave you some helpful information to begin thinking about. Now, often this is something that you may need guidance with. So I encourage you to seek out um, some coaching or some guidance from a nutrition expert or somebody um, that is an herbalist like myself or a naturopathic physician that is well-versed in dealing with leaky gut issues. And I want to thank you so much for spending time with me today again. I hope that you found helpful information in this episode. If you did, be sure to click like and also follow so that you never miss an episode of Herbal Wisdom. And I encourage you to share this with your friends. Go ahead and forward it in an email to a friend who might need this information as well. If anything that you have heard leads you to want to learn more about herbal medicine or natural medicine and how to use it, or even how to make a career of herbal medicine, then I ask that you visit my website, which is herbalwisdominstitute.com, and take a look at the classes and courses that I offer in my school in Prescott Valley, Arizona. Thank you again for listening. Until next time, stay herbalicious.